0: What's up, church fam? Uh, Excited to be with you this morning to open up God's Word. As a matter of fact, if you have a Bible, uh, would you open to 1 Peter chapter number 1? 1 Peter, it's right before 2 Peter, so if you have trouble finding it, uh, just turn there, it's 1,136. That's the page number that it is in my Bible, if that, if that helps you um, with any of that as well. So First Peter, uh, go to chapter number one. We are going to be spending the next several weeks journeying through the letter of First Peter. Uh, we titled the series, Exiles. Uh, I hope that you'll discover more about that this morning as we jump into the text and spend some time uh, with this letter. Now listen, as we begin this morning, I want to give a little context uh, to what we'll be looking at for the next several weeks. First thing I want you to notice, it's right in the beginning of the letter, is the author and the authority that this letter carries not just for those who are reading it then but for us today who are still spending time in the letter of first peter peter obviously is the author there's a lot of things we could say about Peter. We remember exactly who that was. He was the, the fisherman who was led to Jesus by his brother Andrew. He was one of the original 12 disciples who followed Jesus on this earth during his earthly Ministry, But more important than Peter as the author, I want you to know Peter as the apostle. We've come to know those first uh, 12, those original, original disciples of Jesus. We've come to know them by the word apostles. Now the word apostles simply means a sent one or as we would say today, a missionary. But specifically for the original 12, for those apostles, the authority that came with apostleship was known to the early church and is still recognized by us. Today, Those apostles were sent out, not just for anything, but they were sent out with the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, the things that we could talk about that Peter had witnessed as one of the original 12 who walked with Jesus and saw what Jesus did. We know Peter and the authority that he carries. We can think of the numerous stories that come to our mind, whether it was the day when he dropped all of his fisherman gear and went to follow Jesus, not to fish for fish, but to fish for people. We think about Peter as the big mouth disciple, right? Always the first one to stand up, always the first one to say the wrong thing. We think about him walking on the uh, water after Jesus, and as the wind and the waves come, he begins to sink. We think of Peter who Jesus would later call Satan because he said something out of line. We think about Peter as the one who professed Jesus as Christ for the very first time. We think about all the miracles he witnessed. We think about all the healings that took place. We think about him being the first one to run to the tomb at the resurrection of Jesus, probably because he wanted to receive forgiveness after he denied him three times before he died. We think about Peter being one of the ones who were standing there as Jesus ascended into heaven. We see him as one of the ones receiving the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. We think about Peter as the guy in the upper room who took charge. We think about him leading the endeavors to find a replacement for Judas. We think about the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached the message of Jesus and 3,000 people got saved. We think about him leading the early church. We think about his arrest and the times that he was beaten. We think about the time he was in prison but God let him out. Remember that? He knocked on the door and the girl came and said nope, can't be who you say you are. Peter's in jail, right? Slams the door in his face. We think about Peter as one of the great ones who witnessed for the first time to Gentiles, one of the ones who ushered in. By the way, those of us who are in this room should be thankful to Peter who went to Cornelius's house, saw one of the first Gentile families receive the Holy Spirit and give their lives to Jesus. I want you to think about Peter as we spend some time in this letter, not just because he's the author of this letter, but because of the authority that his name would carry. This is not just anybody who's about to pen these words. This is not just anybody who's about to share this testimony. This is not just anybody who's about to give us this encouragement. This is the apostle Peter who has been where we are, who has come from the other side, who has been tested and tried and found to be true. This. This is the apostle Peter. Now, we know him in the weight that he carries. So did the early church when he wrote this letter. I also want you to see just by context the audience in which Peter is writing to. Certainly, the author and the authority that's carried with his apostleship is important, but I want you to notice the author. This is also in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that's the guy who wrote this thing, to those who are elect exiles there's that word that series is named after to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion if in Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood take a breath after reading all that right I don't think so much about the location at this moment, although that will probably carry some weight at some point in time in this letter, but I certainly want you to think about the people in which Peter is writing to. Now, if you were to take these two verses and you were to take out of the dispersion in Pontius, Glacia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, what you would really discover is that probably these two verses should line up like this. To those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with blood of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. What we miss is that probably all these descriptions about these particular people are important to the context in which Peter is writing. Now listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today on the word elect. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the word foreknowledge or sanctification or obedience to Jesus Christ or sprinkling with his blood. Listen, we could take each of those phrases and spend hours talking about the doctrines in which Peter is shedding just a small amount of light on. So you say, Danny, what are you going to tell us? Well, here's the big picture. Peter's writing to the church. He's writing to believers who have been scattered all across the world. I love how Warren Wiersbe sums up all of these big words that we read in 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Here's what he says. We are chosen by the Father, set apart unto faith by the Spirit, and cleansed by the blood of Christ. The Father chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. The Son saved you when he died for you, but it took your surrendering to the spirit to seal the transaction. I love these simple terminology. You know what he's saying? There's a lot of work in salvation. God does the drawing, Jesus does the dying, the spirit does the directing, and we do the deciding. Praise God that we can be the church of Jesus Christ. Praise God that he made a way for us to be saved so that we could follow a better way. Thank God that Jesus came and made a way for us to be made right with him. Now the word exiles helps us to understand something specific. Literally, they are strangers and foreigners where they live. It could be that physically they're far from their homes. Could also just be in reference that spiritually this world is not home to those who follow Jesus. So listen, you may be in the audience this morning and you say, Danny, I'm not an exile. I'm from Saltillo, Mississippi. I've been here my whole life. I chose to be here. What does this have to do with me? Well, friends, let me tell you something. If you are a follower of Jesus, you may not know this, but you are in fact an exile. You are a stranger. You are an alien. This place is not your home. You're simply passing through until you get to glory. Amen? Exile should be extremely relevant for us today because whether it's not physically but spiritually, this world is not our home. Now, the word dispersion that we read in verse number one helps us to note that they've been scattered. The word means dispersed. They have been scattered throughout the lands among those who are strangers. You say, Danny, why is this the case? Well, most people believe that when the letter of 1 Peter was written, it was to address some extreme persecution that was happening to the church. The same time this letter was written is the same time as the famous burning of Rome. Now, listen, I'm not trying to give you a history lesson this morning. Trust me, that's not my goal. But what I do want you to wrap your mind, minds around is this. Probably the emperor at this time, his name was Nero, probably he's the one who caused the burning that happened at Rome, but he blamed it on Christians. He blamed it on the church of Jesus. Why? Because he always planned to stomp out, to stamp out the fires that were burning because of Christ. He wanted to end the movement of the church. Well what better way to do it than to claim that they had attacked the greatest city ever known. He was just paying them back for what they deserved. He called it justice. God calls it persecution. Probably at this time, most of these families that are receiving this letter have been on the run for their lives. They may not be in this moment, but at one point in time they were. They were running from persecution, they were getting away from a world that wanted to destroy them from an emperor who wanted to stop what Jesus was doing. As a matter of fact, you know it's claimed that in order to light his gardens at night, that Emperor Nero would put Christians on the stake and burn them alive. He would leave them in his garden so that people could have the paths lit so that they could walk and see the beautiful plants. This is the type of persecution that they would be experiencing. And so Peter's reaching out with a heart full of grace, saying, I know what it's like to suffer like you're suffering. Here's some words of encouragement for you today. Church of Jesus, who've been sanctified by the Spirit, who've been sprinkled by the blood, who are walking in obedience to him because the Father chose you before the foundation of the world. Church, there's something better. Don't let this world drag you down. So he's writing to this group who's been dispersed across the land. Now the word dispersed carries the idea of scattered. Now this is not the first time the church has been scattered. As a matter of fact, if you've been reading with us through scripture, just recently we read in Acts chapter 8 where for the very first time after the death of Stephen, we saw the church of Jesus being scattered because of persecution. What's interesting though is that the root word for dispersion literally means to sow seed. Here's the idea that Peter's presenting. It's that these believers are like seeds that God has scattered across the world. As they take root, as they grow, they will spread throughout the land. Can I tell you something, friends? What a picture of world evangelism. What started as a way to kill the church was actually just the greatest movement of God spreading his people across the globe. Why? Because he wants everybody to hear the name of Jesus. He wants every part of the globe to know who Christ is. He wants Wants to save every man, woman, and child. Well, how's he going to do it? He's going to scatter the seeds of the gospel in you and me all across the globe. So he says, Hey, I'm writing to you who are out there serving Jesus in a land that may not like you. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know persecution is real. But I want you to know there is something better. Now, listen, he speaks specifically to these. Certain cities: Pontius, Glacia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Now listen, I don't know why they're mentioned specifically. Could be because he visited them at one time. Because large numbers of Jews lived there. Could be that uh, he's heard of the great persecution there and has a heart to love on them. Perhaps the mention of Silas in the letter, as we'll read about him later, po- possibly Silas has given Peter firsthand information on what's taking place in those areas. Maybe Silas is actually returning to those areas and. Peter's writing a letter because Silas is going to be the one who takes them to these places. I don't know about it, but there are some uh, specifics about these places that are interesting. Pontius, for for instance, is uh, a place where many people were present during the day of Pentecost and heard Peter preach the gospel. Another interesting thing about Pontius is that Aquila, who's famously known as one of the Jews who served with Paul, was from the place of Pontius. Galatia is also interesting. I don't know how familiar you are with the New Testament, but Paul writes a letter to these people, right? Very specific. So Galatia is not something unknown to us. Cappadocia, also interesting. There were people present at the day of Pentecost who were from Cappadocia. There is no doubt that those people went back and shared the name of Jesus and a Church was born in this city. Asia also shouldn't be unfamiliar to us. Its capital was Ephesus. Colossae was also in Asia. The seven churches that are addressed by John in Revelation were all in Asia. Bithynia is also interesting. We don't know as much about it from the New Testament, but it later became a host to incredible councils of the church for all of church history. Now, I don't know why these specifically other than there are people there who are scattered, who are believers, who are living in a hostile world that God wants them to understand, I've got a plan in all of this. And so Peter says, what a great word of affirmation, what a great announcement he ends verse two with. Don't miss it. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now listen, I don't know if you're really feeling the weight of what's happening, but these people have left their homes These people are fleeing for for their lives. These people are wondering if somebody's going to track them down and burn their house down in the middle of the night. They've got a weight on them because they are followers of Jesus that is clouding every other thing in their minds. Can you imagine how difficult it was to go to work when you're thinking about dying? Can you imagine how difficult it would be to put your children to bed at night when you're thinking about dying? Can you imagine how difficult it would be to do anything in life when all you can think about is, is this my last moment on this planet and it could be all because of the name of Jesus? They're terrified. Peter, who knows this, gives them these words, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Can you imagine the laughter that might hit in that moment? Danny, I know life is hard. I know things aren't going the way you want, but hey, friend, listen, grace and peace to you, (laughs) okay? Danny, I know everything's falling apart. I know it's not working out, but you know what? Hey, let me give you some encouragement. Hey, listen, listen, grace and peace to you. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, does it? Doesn't seem like it would carry that much weight, does it? Well, no, 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 it's a simple reminder. You say, Danny, what's it a reminder of? Oh, friends, I don't know if you're like me, where when things get bad or when your mind gets clouded with other stuff, you forget things that are important. Is anybody else like that? I'm like that. This is why my phone is filled with reminders. This is why my calendar is shared among staff and family and friends. I need the reminders. Well, listen, their brains are so clouded by the effects of the exiles that they are now living in that they need some incredible reminders. You say, Danny, what's the reminders for? It's for grace and peace. Why? Because as they're exiles across the globe, God wants them to know that they've got to grow grow where they're planted in order to do that he gives them some incredible reminders listen this is the culture that Peter's writing in this is the state of the church that Peter is about to challenge to continue to follow Jesus I don't know if you pick up on any similarities but does this not sometimes sound familiar to our world today Are believers today still like exiles living in a land that's not their home? Are we faced with a culture that wants us to operate differently than God's word? Do we experience persecution because we believe something that's not Popular. Listen, they're not the only seeds that were scattered to grow where they were planted. He scattered us today, placed us right where we are. Yes, even in a hostile culture. Why? So that we too could grow right where we're planted. He wants to reach the hostile world. By the way, you were once the hostile world until Jesus reached down and saved you. He wants now to use you to grow and continue to spread the name of Jesus. Jesus, Just like those that peter was writing to years ago and in order to do it. He gives them some Crucial reminders and I want to show you those really really quickly. You good with that According to my time. I really have about Seven minutes left and i've got six points. Let's see how fast we can get through them Danny, what are the reminders that Peter's giving to the church that has experienced an exile type of life to live as Jesus wants them to live in a hostile world? Well, here's the first one. We have a living hope. Hey friends, I know life may not always go the way you want. I know that everything may not happen like you want it to happen. I know sometimes things can get so bad that you forget everything that was good and you're only focused on what's bad. I bet you're like me and you may have hundreds of blessings in this life, but those couple of things that didn't go right are the only thing that you are thinking about. And Peter goes, I know what that's like. I've sat in jail cells. I've experienced persecution. I've been beaten. I've faced a hostile world. And I too had to be reminded not of the things I don't have, but of the things that I do have. You say, Danny, what do you mean? We have a living hope. Look at verse 3 in First Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that word blessed means? It's where we get our English word for eulogy. It means to praise someone's life. That's why we read it at the beginning of a funeral. Peter's reminding them, blessed, praise, greatness, honor be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Look at this. According to his great mercy, hallelujah, right? How many of you have experienced the mercy of Jesus? Can you imagine Peter as he's writing these words, what he may be thinking about all the different times that God gave him a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance? Aren't you glad that God gives us multiple chances? Aren't you glad that God offers his great mercy to us? You say, Danny, what do you mean? Look at this. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, it's by his mercy that everything exists and has its being. It's by his mercy that we went from death to life. It's by his mercy that even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God reached down and poured his mercy and grace into our lives and has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Hope. I wonder if Peter's mind instantly thought back to Jesus's conversations with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? He said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what Peter's reminding them? He's saying, you have a living hope. It didn't matter what they faced or what Nero did to them. They had a living hope that not even Nero or death could take from them. There was no. Nothing they would face that Jesus hadn't already defeated for them. You say, Danny, what do you mean? we had already taken a path that led to Roman torture in a skull-shaped hill. He had already descended to the underworld, preached to the spirits in prison, and emerged triumphant, holding up for all to see the keys of death and Hades. Listen, we don't have a hope like a wishing star or hoping that we will win the lottery. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can I tell you something, friends? Peter's not hoping that was true. He's not wishing that was true. Peter saw the empty tomb. He realized Jesus is not there. He saw the resurrected Christ. He watched him ascend into heaven, and he said, I may have denied Jesus before, but I will never deny Jesus again. Why? Because we have a living hope. He is not dead. It's not based in me. It's not based in you. It's based in Jesus and his resurrection. Listen, I love what Paul wrote to the church, At Thessalonica, he said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You say, Danny, encourage one another with what words? Life isn't how I want. This world doesn't do what I want it to do. I'm up. against the wall friends here's the encouragement we have a living hope let me show you the second one not only that we have a lavish home this isn't it friends This isn't where it ends. This is why Peter wrote in verse four, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You know what inheritance is. I don't have to explain it to you. That is our inherited property. Because of Jesus, we have a place awaiting us unlike anything that we could ever imagine. We have a reward that nothing on this earth can ever compare to and listen, It is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Jesus put it like this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, it does not go away. It is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept, by the way, in heaven for you. You know what, Peter? reminding his readers of, they've got reservations. Any of you going on vacation anytime soon? Any of you excited about the destinations that you will go? Have you made those reservations? Are you thinking about how much fun you will have? Well, let me tell you something, friends. I guarantee those reservations compare nothing to heaven. And it's not like regular reservations, by the way. I don't know if you're like me, but when I make a reservation somewhere, I'm always looking back at it. Did I I book the right city? Did I book the right dates? Let me check the email again. Make sure there's confirmation. Then you get to the hotel. They don't have your name. They need to see your credit card again. They've lost your reservation. Or they, for some reason, double booked, and the reservation is gone, and now you don't have a room anymore. As a matter of fact, I think about last year, uh, Kayla and I and the kids, we were going on vacation, and we wanted a rental car. And so Kayla made all the arrangements. We we got the rental. we, We signed up for the day, the time, when we wanted to go get it. We had a confirmation email. Listen, I kid you not. We showed up at noon on the day when they told us to show up at noon. And when we got there, the store was closed at noon. Oh, we only worked till noon on this day. Well, why would you tell me to pick up my reservation when you're closed? Well, finally, they let us in. We've got the confirmation of what we reserved. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have that vehicle here. What do you mean you don't have it? Here's the reservation. We made it. Oh, yeah, that reservation's right. And yeah, you did everything you were supposed to do. But honestly, that's just a formality. Like, we gave that car to somebody else because they came before you. So all we've got is this little pickup truck. I- I'm-, I'm sorry. That's the best we can do. Listen, that didn't work for us. We didn't have the reservation that we needed. Well, listen friend, heaven ain't like that. You have a reservation that will never be lost. Jesus doesn't check your name and your credit card again when you get there. He didn't tell you one thing and then you show up and it's something else. No friend, you have a lavish home waiting for you in eternity listen, it may not be going the way you want right here right now, but can I tell you something? We have a lavish home. Can I show you something else? This is a reminder to those people who are struggling with so much. We have a limitless helper. Limitless. There is nothing that our God cannot do. Here's what he says in verse five. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what that word power means? It's where we get our word dynamite from. It's the usual word for power. The word for guarded is a military word. Peter's readers, you like that? would have understood the strength of the Roman army. These things would have made sense to them. They're picturing the guys who are lording everything over them. They've got power, they've got guards, but oh, no, 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 friends, we're not talking about them. We're talking about a much more superior power. We're talking about a much more superior guard. We're talking about God himself. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter six It's a time in which Israel and Syria were fighting back and forth. And every time Syria made a move to try to conquer Israel, Israel was always a step ahead. So much that the king of Syria came to his own people and said, who's the spy amongst our camp? Because they know every decision we make before we ever make it. And finally, somebody said, no, no, it's nobody from our camp. It's the prophet of God. His name's Elisha. He's the one that's revealing our plans. He's the one that's telling the people what to do. And so the king finds out where Elisha is. Now, I want you to hear this because this is is awesome. It says, so he, he sent, this is the king of Syria. He sent there where Elisha was, horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And the servant with the 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 man of God they rose early in the morning and they went out and behold an army with horses and Chariots was all around the city and the servant said alas my master What shall we do and he said this is Elisha speaking? Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them Now, the servant's a little confused. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You say, Danny, what do you mean? The armies, the power, the guard of our father is way bigger than anything the enemy could ever throw at us. Hey, I don't know if you need this reminder today, but listen to me. We have a limitless helper. You know how Jesus described it? Listen to what he said. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I think it's safe to say our salvation is protected no matter what happens on this side of eternity. Let me show you this fourth encouraging reminder. We have a likely hurdle. I don't want you to miss this because this seems to be a little contradictory to all the other incredible things that Peter's writing about. He says in verse six, in this you rejoice. We like that part. All right, good. It's going to be something great, right? In this we rejoice. And then he goes, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, wait a second, Danny. When I think about various trials, I don't think about the word, in this you rejoice. When I go through trials, it's not rejoicing. Well, that's not what Peter's saying. Matter of fact, he says, you have been grieved by various trials. Here's why you can rejoice. He goes on. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? say saying every trial, even the likely hurdles that you've gotta face on a regular basis, even those you should praise God for. You say, Danny, why? All those little things we may complain about, all those little things that we may hate, all those little things that we wish God would take away, I wonder how many of those God's actually using to make us more like Jesus. And if he is using them to make us more like Jesus, then shouldn't we say, God, bring on the hurdles, bring on the trials, Test us so that we can be proven genuine at the day of our salvation. I love what Warren Wiersbe wrote about this. He said, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. John Phillips said he sees a precious faith developed by the trial. He sees a a purging fire devouring the trial And he sees a priceless fine discovered by the trial. Just as the fire melts the gold so that the refiner can skim away the imperfections, so persecution enables the Spirit of God to purify and make infinitely more precious the faith of the suffering saint. Things do not happen by chance. Even in the hurdles, it's a reminder that God is at work. Let me show you this fifth one. We have a lasting happiness You say, Danny, you don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand the problems that are, you don't understand the trials. You don't understand the exile life that I live. This world is just too hard. Well, I love what Peter wrote. He said in verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Listen, I don't know how to explain the lasting happiness that we have in Jesus, and I don't think Peter did either. That's why he said, with joy that is inexpressible. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I don't have the answers to why even in this suffering I rejoice. I don't have the answers to how I can have have peace and I can have grace even in the midst of a world that is hostile toward Jesus. I can't explain every reason for why I'm responding the way that I'm responding except for this. I know Jesus and he is a lasting happiness that nothing on this world can ever take away from me. Matter of fact, I love this old story that's told of C.S. Lewis. He was a avid atheist who wanted to find any way that he could to not be a Christian. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about his story, he kind of set out on a mission to prove that God didn't exist. However, in that process, guess what happened? He met Jesus and surrendered his life to him forever. You know what C.S. Lewis titled his autobiography at the end of his life? Surprised by Joy. It's the only way we can explain what Jesus has done for us. Let me show you this last one. It is the last one, I promise. Number six, we have a loving heritage. We have a loving heritage. Let me read these last verses to you. This is 1 Peter 1. I'm gonna start in verse 10. It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who were prophesied about... Uh, prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. You say, Danny, What in the world is Peter talking about here? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the heritage that every person who follows Jesus now has. You say, what heritage? Oh, it started long ago. It started before the very beginning of time when God planned for Jesus to come and save the world from their sins. You say, Danny, when did we know about it? Well, listen, prophets wrote all about it. They didn't fully understand it. You know what they wanted? They wanted to know more about it. They wanted to know when Jesus was gonna come. They wanted to know when all these things things would be fulfilled. Even angels. Can you think about that? Imagine what angels have seen. They were there at creation. They've seen all of it in between. They are sitting around the throne singing the praises of an infinite God. You know what Peter says? They long to look at salvation in Jesus. Friends, that's what we have. You say, Danny, how can a How can we live in a hostile world? How can we represent Jesus as exiles in a world that doesn't care about him? Well, I would ask you another question, friends. How can a hostile world hold us back when we have a living hope and a lavish home and a limitless helper and a likely hurdle and a lasting happiness and a loving heritage? What could they possibly do that Jesus can't overcome. You say, Danny, I don't don't, don't fully understand everything that Peter was writing about. Can I tell you something, friends? I don't either. But can I tell you what I do know? I do know that in Jesus, we have everything that we will ever need. You say, Danny, but our culture's falling around all around us. Our leadership's in chaos. Our world doesn't know what to do. We are living in times unlike anybody else. Wah, wah, wah. I say, I agree with you, but you know what's greater than that list of all the things that we whine and complain about? His name is Jesus. You say, Danny, what does that have to do with me? Well, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you've got the very power within your life to overcome anything that the enemy throws at us will you grow where you're planted don't complain to me about what's not right don't tell me about how the whole world's uh, uh, going to hell in a handbasket don't complain to me about what's next on the news he already told us what was going to happen how about instead you grow where you're planted How about instead you say, Jesus, use me here, use me now, help me be an exile through your grace and your peace to witness to the name of Jesus to a world that hates you. Maybe that should be our response as we live as exiles in this world. You know what else I think about? I wonder how many people in this room would say, Danny, I want that living hope, right? I, I, I want that lavish home. I want that limitless. You go down the list. I, I know, friend. I wanted it too. Can not tell you something? You don't have to live in a hostile world on your own. Jesus has given you all you need. For those who follow him, it's at your disposal anytime you want it. For those who don't, can I tell you something, friends? I'd love to meet you in the lobby in the next few minutes and tell you how Jesus can change everything. You know what I love about 1 Peter? I feel like it's so similar to the chaos that we live in today. But you know what Peter never tells them to do? Never tells them to whine, never tells them to complain. Never tells them to just put everything on a, on a pile and burn it all and start over. No, no, it's not his response. His response is that Jesus makes all things new. Friends, if you're here today right now and Jesus needs to make you new, he can. If you're here and you know Jesus, I wonder how he's leading you to make things new where you are. Can I just challenge you with something? He wants all believers here and across the globe to grow where we're planted. Are you growing? Listen, I hope those reminders are powerful to you today as much as they are to me. We know Jesus, and that changes everything. If you don't, I'll tell you about him in the next few moments. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you and thank you. You are awesome.